Welcome to the Queen City Church Podcast. We're so excited that you decided to join us, and we wanted to personally welcome you. Thank you so much for listening in today. Our goal is that this message will encourage you and give you practical steps for a relationship with God that keep getting better and better. Enjoy the message. We're jumping back into this, this series of teachings called Make Room. Make Room. Last weekend, we talked about Make Room for Peace, and really this whole whole collection of teachings is really based off of this scripture. We talked about it last week in Luke chapter two, when it was time for Jesus to be born, it says that Mary and, uh, Mary and Joseph, they, they roll into Bethlehem and they're looking around for a place and a space so that they can have their precious little baby. And the scriptures and history tells us that there was no room for them anywhere. Like they, the picture is that they went like house to house or end to end and every space that they knocked on the door, they're like, we have no room. We have no room. And I love the Passion Translation because it says there was no available space. And it's interesting that the very, the very genesis of God becoming flesh, entering into this world, the very beginning of, of that story is the story of humanity saying to, declaring to God, think about this, we have no room for you. And this entire collection of teaching is based off of this idea that what could happen if you and I did the opposite, if we actually made space for Jesus in our life? Like what could happen if we made room for Jesus in our marriage, in our family, in our, in our calling, in our vocation, in our finances? What could happen? What, what could happen to our lives if we just made room for Jesus? Not just Sunday for an hour, hour and a half. Not just a little five minute quiet time, but what if we actually open up our entire life and said, all of this, it's yours. And I create space for you. And what we're discovering is this, is when we make room for Jesus, there are some incredible benefits that come with that. Now we don't just make room for Jesus so that we get things from him. We sang about that earlier. I don't, I don't need anything else. I just want you, right? And so it's, it's not because we want something from him, but he's so good that when he shows up into your life, he brings so much goodness with him. He brings peace and joy and miracles and strength and rest. He brings it freedom. The, the life we've always wanted, that's what comes with Jesus. And when we make room for Jesus, guess what? It just gets better and better and better when we make, make room for Jesus. And so last week when we talked about making room for Jesus, it makes room for peace. This week, we've been praying for this one kind of idea that we feel like God put on our heart for us as a community and really for this city and for the world is this, is when we make room for Jesus, here's what we're doing. We're making room for miracles. We're making room for miracles. Now, this is a, a complex uh, topic that we're going to talk about today, and I'm going to do my very best with this assignment. Um, but I'm reminded also of the scripture we read last week, Isaiah chapter nine, verse six. It was a, pr- a prophecy that came 400 years before Jesus was born, 400 years before And the prophecy said this, for to us, a child is born to us, a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders. He will neither be Republican nor Democrat. And he will be called wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father and prince of peace. We talked about the prince of peace, but, but I love those, that phrase there, mighty God, that the Messiah will be not just a prophet, not just a healer, but he will be the mighty God. He will be God, big G, God. And when it says mighty, it's that word there in the Hebrew is power. He will be the all-powerful God of the universe when he shows up. 400 years before Jesus entered the world, this prophecy said that when Jesus shows up, he's going to be the Prince of Peace. Government will rest on his shoulders. He'll be the wonderful counselor, but make no mistake about it. He will be the mighty God of the universe. He will be mighty. He will be powerful. There's a fancy little theological word that's omnipotent, 
omnipotent. Omnipotent, it means all-powerful. In other words, Jesus will be able to do anything he attempts to do. Jesus can do anything, even what seems to be impossible. God is omnipotent. He's all powerful. There is nothing that he cannot do. And if there's anything that he cannot do, then he's no longer God. He is all powerful. When you look at the ministry of Jesus, you see 37 miracles that we have recorded. Now, the Bible tells us that if we were to try to, were to, try to record all of Jesus's miracles, uh, one of the writers, I think it was maybe John, said that there wouldn't even be enough books to contain all the miracles that Jesus has done. But my favorite is John chapter 2, the first miracle. And it actually, uh, this is funny, it actually inspired me this past week. It's my mom's birthday. Um, and, you know, uh, the first miracle was Jesus turning water into wine. And uh, I'm going through Target looking for cards. And, uh, and, and, and my wife, she, she discovers a card, brings it home. And, uh, and it's, it's, it's pretty interesting. I'm going to show it to you. Uh, now, we replaced some of it with uh, a picture of my mom. We took this picture of this priest out and put my mom's picture there. And uh, so I don't have that one. I'm sorry I didn't, didn't bring that. But, um, and she's also, she has an honorary doctorate. So we always kind of mess with her and say, hey, Dr. Judy. And, uh, and so my wife put a picture of, of my mom's face over the priest the reverend's face and put, instead of reverend said, Dr. Judy. And so this is what the card looked like. He's like, Dr. Judy, have you been drinking just water officer? Next slide. Then why do I smell wine? Good Lord. He's done it again. <laughs> have a miraculous birthday. But, uh, but I, I thought you'd, you'd, you'd like that. <laughs> My mom loved it. You know, when I think about this topic, I have so many questions. What about you? You think about miracles. Do you have any questions? Maybe some questions you've considered, you've contemplated. Maybe some questions you've journaled or questions you've brought to a pastor or a counselor. Maybe questions you've wrestled with with God. Like, does God still do miracles today? Who qualifies for a miracle if he does? And what's even the purpose of miracles? If he still does miracles, how can I experience one? Because I need one. If he still does miracles, then why don't we see them more common in our life and in our churches today? Why does it seem like the Bible is filled with miracle after miracle after miracle, and yet the modern church in the modern day doesn't seem to reflect that reality? Why didn't I see a miracle when I prayed for my my father to be healed and he passed away? I prayed and I prayed and I prayed for a spouse, and I've been single for 20 years, and I thought that God was going to do a miracle. I prayed for healing in my body and I'm still dealing with this pain. I prayed and I've asked God to take away this depression and this anxiety and I'm still waiting on a miracle. And oftentimes when we get to those places and we wrestle and we get into that tension, what happens is we'll begin to question a lot of things, our theology and our framework, our biblical, our our view of the Bible and our view of God. And we begin to have these questions and we'll begin to doubt and we begin to wonder. Here's what I'd submit to you that God's okay with your questions. He's big enough for them. And I could easily just show up here and I could preach you a hype message and just tell you, God is able, God is able, God is able. Get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Miracle, miracle, miracle. I could do that. I actually, I have preached messages like that before. Get you fired up. You'll be so hyped, but you will not be helped. And so how do we wrestle with these things? And I think the first thing that I would say is we have to have a proper definition of what a miracle is. Have you ever noticed that we can call so many different things a miracle. It was a miracle that I landed, landed this job. It was a miracle. She said yes to go on a date with me. 
It will be a miracle if the Bengals go to the Super Bowl. We're praying for it in Jesus' name. It was a miracle. No one got hurt in that wreck. We, we, can, we, can, we can throw miracle all over the place with a very broad definition, almost like we do with love, right? I love my wife. I love cheeseburgers. Like, which one is it? It's both. Equally the same. I'm kidding. Stop, guys. So. But what is a biblical definition of a miracle? See, if we make it too broad, we diminish miracles. If we make it too narrow, then we'll lose a sense of gratitude and thanksgiving for the things that God's doing in our life. So we have to have a biblical definition of, of miracles. I love what Dr. Wayne Grudem, the way that he defined it. He said, a miracle is a less common kind of God's activity in which he inspires people's awe and wonder and bears witness to himself. That's a pretty rich definition, but you have to first break it down. There's four parts to it. It's less common. See, there's some people that are hyper charismatic. Now I'm charismatic. I'm like a contemplative charismatic. Okay. I like to be thoughtful, but I'm also passionate and I believe in the gifts of the spirit, but I'm also believe that the Bible is more important than our experiences. So there's this tension you live in, but there are hyper charismatic people that just believe that we should see miracles every day, all day, every person you pray for. And the reality is, is this a miracle, if it happens all the time, every day, it becomes common and now it's no longer a miracle. And there's some people who believe that that should be a part of the ordinary experience of every Christian. But Bible, the Bible teaches something a little bit different. It's actually less common. Miracles are less common. Doesn't mean that they're not common or doesn't mean that they don't happen. It just means that they're less common. That's what makes them a miracle. But it's the less common kind of God's activity. And I say it like this because it's not, a miracle is not God's divine intervention as some people may define it. In my humble but I believe accurate opinion, when you say God is intervening, it gives this picture of deism that God is disconnected and not at work in your life every day. But the, provid- the, the doctrine of the providence of God is that God, every day, he causes the rains. He, he, by, by the power of his word, he holds everything together. So he's active every single day in our lives. But every once in a while, he shows up and his activity is less common than what it normally is. And it does this, it actually, it inspires people to be in awe and wonder. Oh my God, only God could have done that. And it bears witness to him being real. That is what a miracle is. Miracles, uh, if you look in the scriptures, you, you actually, in the original language, you don't see miracle. You see these, these three phrases, signs, wonders, and powers. Uh, a lot of times, kind of the packaging would be signs and wonders that you'll see. But you see these signs, wonders, and powers. Um, I'm just going to say this really quick. I don't have time to give you all the scriptures to support these five purposes, but these five purposes, I'm going to tell you, they give you a framework. It's really the anatomy of a miracle. And the better you can understand it, then you can kind of, you can understand what God's activity is in your life and what you can pray and believe for. But the scriptures that would support this could be found in a systematic theology book. Some of you are like, this is geeking me out. But some of you like really are like, I want to study miracles. And the reason why some people want to study it is because like me, maybe there's been something in your life where you've believed for and you haven't seen a miracle and you're just wanting to know, like you're wrestling with this. Dr. Wayne Grudem has a systematic theology book. Go check it out. These five purposes are listed, but I want to give them to you. Here it is. The five purposes of of, of a miracle. They're not on the screen, so bear with me. But the first one is to authenticate God's work to authenticate God's work. God does a miracle and it's, it's, it's authenticating the work that he is doing. In other words, like Moses, God raises up, raises up this leader, Moses. And he says, go to Pharaoh and say, let my people go. And he's like, well, what if I go to them and say, 
I just saw a bush on fire. Like that's not that impressive because Pharaoh didn't see the bush, but Moses saw the bush. And so God's like, just go and tell Pharaoh um, to let my people go. And you're going to do these signs and wonders and it'll prove it will authenticate who I am, that I'm the one true God. And that I am, I'm giving this message. He did that with Elijah, prophets of Baal. Remember that one? That's a pretty cool little trick there, right? Call down fire from heaven. And I mean, it's amazing. And then everyone is in awe and wonder saying, this is the one true God. Baal is not God, but he is the one true God. So it was to authenticate God's work. You see it with Elisha. Then Jesus rolls on the scene, 37 miracles in his ministry. It's authenticating his work. Jesus even said to one guy, if you don't believe the words that I speak, just look at the things that I do, the miracles. It's authenticating. Nicodemus said to Jesus, he says, I know truly that God is with you and that you are sent by God because of the works that you do because of your miracles. It's to authenticate the apostles in the early church. When the gospel started getting preached, it was accompanied with signs and wonders and powers and crazy miracles, unbelievable miracles. The shadow of apostles would touch people that were sick and they were healed. This is unexplainable. Only God could do this. And this was the start of the church. It's to authenticate God's word. Second is to bear witness that the kingdom of God has come and is expanding. When Jesus came, he preached the message that the kingdom has come and the king is here and the work of the kingdom is happening. And it was just, it was like us getting a glimpse of heaven on earth that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's the kingdom expanding. A third is to help people who are just in need. Jesus would look at people that had a need and the Bible says it would just move his heart because Jesus loved people. He hated seeing people hurting. He hates to see you hurting. It hurts him that you hurt. And Jesus just wanted to help people. That was the third one. The fourth was to remove hindrances from ministry. You see this in the Old and the New Testament. When people were called to do ministry in certain regions, regions, there would be hindrances and they would pray and God would do a miracle and the hindrance would be moved and an open door for ministry would happen. And the fifth one is the most important one. Miracles, the five purposes of miracles. The fifth one is to bring glory to God. That is why. The other four contribute to this fifth one because this is the purpose of a miracle. It is to bring glory and awe and wonder and inspire people like God is real to God be the glory. This is why he does miracles. Now, here's the thing. There's some people that believe that, that there are no miracles anymore, that they stopped with the, the beginning of the early church. They stopped with the apostles. This theology, and maybe you even grew up with it, is called cessationism. It's the gifts have ceased. At Queen City Church, we believe in continuationism, right? It's continued, that the gifts have continued and that they're still moving forward. And let me tell you why. Here's why we believe this. Here's why we believe this. And I'm going to go somewhere with all this and we'll make it it'll come together. But just listen to me. Got to lay a foundation. We believe that because think about the antithesis of these things. Let's ask these five questions. Is God still working today? Remember the first one? Is to authenticate his work. Is God still working today? Yes. yes. Number two, is the kingdom still expanding today? Do people need help? And does God care about people? Does the enemy try and hinder ministry from happening? Ask pastor Brian. Yes. Number five, does God still deserve glory? Yes. Yes. So why would the gifts cease and why would miracles cease? Just from my personal experience, I was 18 months old and was diagnosed with spinal meningitis and uh, my temperature rose to hundred and it was high. I mean, they're like packing me on ice. Okay. And I was in New Orleans. Here I say it, New Orleans. I grew up in, in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. And they brought me to this, this kid's care kind of wing at this hospital. And the doctors literally told my mom, my dad, they said, you're, we don't know if your son's going to make it. It's that bad. 
and there was another kid that was diagnosed with the same thing. And, and I mean, completely, I mean, he, he's nonverbal now in a, in a wheelchair, uh, non-responsive and same exact diagnosis at the same time. But my mom, my mom said, you know what? We believe that God is able to heal him. My mom's a woman of faith. The devil's no match for a praying mom. I'm going to tell you that right now. My mom called, did what James, I think it's James five says, call the elders of the church together. See anybody sick among you, anoint them with oil and pray the prayer of faith over them that, that God would heal them and raise them up. She called the elders of the church. They came together. They came in there and they prayed for hours and hours and hours and hours. And within a week, boom, God miraculously healed me. I'm standing here today. And, um, and it was a miracle. Now I didn't see it because I was 18 months old, but I'm here. I'm here today. And people that saw it, they, they testify to it, to it. But here's one that I experienced. In 2000, I bowed my knee to Jesus and I gave him my heart and he transformed my life. Now listen, the greatest miracle that you could ever receive, you know what it is? It's forgiveness of your sins. You once were lost and now you're found. You once were blind and now you see God's put purpose in your heart and you will stand before Jesus one day and eternity will be your home. It's the greatest miracle ever. Greatest miracle ever. I remember we moved to San Francisco to plant a church and we had sticker shock whenever we moved there. When they start telling us numbers like to rent a three bedroom house will be $6,000 a month to rent. I'm like, wait a second. I don't, God, did, did you call me here? Cause this doesn't make any sense. Cause I'm God. Did you know I'm a pastor I'm a pastor salary? Like God's like, I, I know that I own a thousand cattle on the hills or whatever that scripture is. Right. <laughs> and so we were so depressed. My wife and I, we're like going around looking at houses we cannot afford. And then they tell us you've, you've got to, you've got to show proof of income three times the amount of your rent. Well, you do the math, 6,000 times three. There you go. I don't make that. Okay. <clears throat> and then they're like, you, you, you're going to need like $50,000 basis is what it came out to like first three months rent and all this. And we're just like, God, how are we going to, we, we cannot do this, but we know you called us here. We just, been, we were obedient God. And I, I'm going to tell you, I, I was a little disappointed in God. And for three days in a row, I woke up every morning and I just lay, before I even let my feet touch the ground, I prayed every morning at 7 a.m. Say, God, I know you called us here, but I'm telling you, we need a miracle or we cannot do this every morning. God, we need a miracle. And I was specific. We need $50,000, God. And do you know, on the third day, this is one of those stories, right? On the third day. <laughs> Get this random Facebook message. I don't even check Facebook. This guy named Fred, Fred that I met in Dallas. He's like, I've been trying to get in touch with you. Would you have time for, for a FaceTime call? And I was like, oh, what does this guy want? I'm trying to find a house and whatever. He's like, the Lord spoke to me the last three mornings at 7 a.m. I, 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 I wanna share with you something that God's speaking to me. I'm like, is he rich? And uh, <laughs> so I set up this, set up this FaceTime call with him. And, uh, and we start talking. He says, every morning, the Lord woke me up 7 a.m. and said to reach out to you. I know we don't really know each other that much, but the Lord told me that I needed to wire you $50,000. And I was like, yes, Lord. Hallelujah. I'm sorry. Shouting. Here's the thing. I'm telling you that because I have seen God do miracles. My mom's a missionary and she travels all over the continent of Africa and in South America a bit. And Probably 10 years ago, she was ministering in these squatter camps in South Africa. And there was a woman that was deaf. She's, she's been, she was born not able to hear. And so my mom wanted to share the gospel with her and had someone that was signing with her. And 
And then uh, the lady just said, I, I want to be healed. She, she told, told the, the person signing that she wanted to be healed. She wanted to hear. And so my mom just said, well, we're going to pray and we're going to believe. And my mom prayed over this lady. And do you know that her ears open and she can hear? My mom prayed for somebody that was blind in South America. I think it was a little kid. Prayed for them. Never saw it before. They could see. Now, my name means healer. And I've prayed for people to receive healing a lot. I've never seen it. <laughs> But I know people that have, but I haven't seen it. So there again comes the questions, God, why do they see it? Why haven't I seen it? And then I know even with my son, Nixon, I introduced you to my kids last week, Liam and Nixon. Nixon is nine years old. He was, he, at about two years old, we began to notice some things with his body, with his skin. And he was diagnosed with this severe allergies and severe eczema. If I showed you pictures, he looked from head to toe or from neck down, he looked like a burn victim. And every morning and every, every day, every evening, I pray the same prayer. I pray the prayer of healing over him. I've done it for, for years. I've done it for seven years. And two weeks ago, my wife looked at me and she said, she goes, we haven't taken time to praise God, like to celebrate. Like, look at his skin. Look what God has done. He's not completely healed, but look what the Lord has done. It's not how it used to be. Like, look at these pictures and we compare it. And so we begin to praise God last, like two weeks ago. Like, God, you haven't done it completely yet, but you're doing it. And we're just celebrating that. He's not, he hasn't been on medication for it. Just been celebrating that. And then last Monday, after being here Sunday, he woke up and his whole face looked like it was burnt. So he couldn't go to school for the rest of the week. And just as a parent, it just breaks your heart. And I begin to ask God questions like, God, I thought you, but what about, and you begin to wrestle with it. Have you ever been there before? You see, the tension that we live in is that we know God is able, but sometimes we wonder if he's willing Remember the guy, I think it's in Matthew or Mark chapter nine. He, he's a leper and he comes to Jesus and he says, son of David, have mercy on me. If you are willing, I know you can heal me. The tension of that, he says, if you're willing, I know you are able. And we live in that moment, don't we? We live in that tension like, like, like God, I know you can, but will you? Because I need it and we're desperate for it. I just want to finish with just some final thoughts of a great miracle that Jesus did in John chapter six. And I think it gives us a good framework for what do we do when we're waiting on a miracle? Because we're going to pray at the end of the service today. And, and if you need a miracle, man, I, I pray, I know God can, I pray that he does a miracle in your life. But what if you leave and he doesn't, what do you do in the meantime between the promise and the payoff? What do you do between the now and not yet? How do you wait in those moments? Well, I love in John chapter six, it's a great little story. When Jesus feeds the 5,000, it says Jesus went up the slope of a hill and sat down with his disciples. Now it was approaching the time of the Jewish celebration of Passover. And there were many pilgrims on their way to Jerusalem in the crowd. As Jesus sat down, he looked out and he saw the massive crowd of people scrambling. And as Jesus, excuse me, scrambling up the hill for they wanted to be near him. They just want to be near Jesus. It goes on. It says, so he turned to Philip and he said, this is one of his disciples. Where will we buy enough food to feed all these people? Verse six. I love verse six. Now Jesus already knew what he was about to do, but he said this to stretch Philip's faith. I'm like, I read that and I was like, Jesus, you, why are you going to mess with Philip like that? You already know you're going to do a miracle. Why are you going to mess with the brother? Leave him alone, Jesus. 
See, I think that, I think that Jesus, his, his assignment here wasn't just to do miracles, but it was to develop people. I think sometimes when we're waiting on our miracle, the greatest miracle may be happening on the inside of us. He's wanting to develop Philip's faith. So it says he, he asked him this because he wanted to stretch his faith. Now, the thing is, is that Philip, he responds in verse seven, and it's, it's probably the way I would respond. Philip answered, well, I suppose uh, if we were to give everyone only a snack, like a little tiny Lunchable, it would cost thousands of dollars to buy enough food. Philip is a logical person. He's like, there's thousands of people here, Jesus. And even if we were going to try to do like just a little bitty snack, that would be so much. Money. We don't have that money. Like we don't have the resources to, to do. This is impossible. Jesus is what he's saying to him. And then he goes on and it says, and, and Andrew, Peter's brother, verse eight, spoke up and said, look, here's a young person with five barley loaves and two small fish, which by the way, just want you to know this Queen City Church, God can use you no matter how old you are. He says, but we just have five barley loaves, five pieces of bread and two small fish. But look what he says, but how far would that even go with this huge crowd? Notice what he says, small fish, huge crowd, huge, huge, okay, (laughs) huge, small fish, huge crowd. Disclaimer is that I'm not trying to make fun of, of Philip and Andrew. And like, I would be there with them. I would look at the situation the same way and be like, I, I, don't, I don't know how this one's going to happen. This looks pretty impossible. But the thing that's so interesting is I think that it just shows us when they say small fish, big crowd, I think it shows us, it gives us some insight into how most of us as Christians, most of us, how we think the mindset we have is, is small thinking when it comes to God. And, and it's interesting because these guys have been rolling with Jesus for the last bit of time. We're in John chapter six, but think John two, the same guys in John two, Jesus performed a miracle and turned water into wine. That's a pretty big deal. Water, wine. Okay. Big deal. John four, Jesus performed a miracle and healed an official son who was on his deathbed. Big deal. John five, Jesus performed a miracle and healed a man paralyzed for 38 years. They have just witnessed that. And now you get to John six, huge crowd, huge problem. What are we going to do? They have forgotten how powerful God truly is, how powerful Jesus truly is. And their thinking, their mindset is so small. It's so small. You know what I think as you think back over the faithfulness of God in your life, we need to let God's faithfulness in our yesterdays restore hope for our tomorrows. You got to remember what all God's done in your life, how he's provided the moments when I begin to doubt about my son, Nixon, you know what I do? I recount all of God's faithfulness before I begin to look back at God's track record. It goes on in verse 10. Jesus, I love it. Jesus doesn't rebuke them. He just says, have everyone sit down. So, so gangster of Jesus. He just says, have everyone sit down. Jesus said to his disciples. So on the vast uh, grassy slope, more than 5,000 hungry people sat down. Verse 11, Jesus then uh, took the barley loaves, the bread and the fish, and he gave thanks to God. Quick proposition for you right here. Thankfulness for what I do have paves the way to receive what I hope to have. While you wait, develop and cultivate a spirit of thanksgiving. While you wait, praise him, even though he has yet to do the miracle. Have a posture of praise in thanksgiving. God, I thank you. God, I'm grateful. Before the miracle ever happened, Jesus said, thank you for what we do have. 
I know we have a big problem. I know we need a miracle, but I'm just thankful for this little bit that I do have. Thankfulness. First Thessalonians says, give thanks in all circumstances. Listen to me. It doesn't say give thanks for all circumstances, but in your diagnosis, you can give thanks. Not for it, but in it, you can. You're, you're single and your, your heart is broken. You feel lonely and you've been praying for a spouse. You can be thankful right now, though. You can still be thankful in whatever you're walking through and dealing with. I've met some, some people that are, that are in some of the worst situations and yet have such a grateful spirit. And it's so beautiful, isn't it? Have you ever seen somebody like that? Like, it makes no sense. It makes no sense that she, she's, she has a spirit, a beautiful spirit like that. And she's got this diagnosis. It makes no sense. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've been around people that they have, they're in some of the most impoverished situations. And yet there's gratitude all over their face. Give thanks in all circumstances. See, a complaining and a grumbling spirit is the antithesis of a miracle mindset. It will actually hinder us from receiving a miracle, I believe. It goes on. And uh, let me give you this little call to action. This is my simple call to action. If it's not already obvious, just be thankful for what I do have while I wait for what I hope to have. Just be thankful, okay? Maybe even write down, God, here's the things I'm going to be thankful for. I know I need this, but I'm going to be thankful for this. Goes on, verse 11 says, he then gave it to the disciples to distribute to the people. I love how Jesus loves to use people to do ministry. He wants to use you to do ministry. Listen, God wants to use you to be the answer to someone else's prayer. God, God may want to use you to be a miracle in someone else's life. And it says, so he gives what he does have after he thinks he gives it to the 12 disciples. And then as they begin to distribute it, as they begin to put to work what they do have, miraculously, the food multiplied with everyone eating as much as they wanted. You know what this tells me about Jesus's faith in this moment, that his father would come through and multiply is that Jesus didn't have a wait, just a waiting faith. He had a working faith. Let me tell you what that means. While I wait on a job, I'm going to work on my resume. While I wait on a spouse, I'm going to work on becoming the spouse of someone's dreams. Hello, somebody. While I wait on my healing, I'm going to work on my health and my fitness and my well-being. While I wait on my financial breakthrough, I'm going to work on my stewardship and my spending habits and my budget. Listen, if you're looking for a miracle and you're waiting, don't just wait in faith, work in faith. Don't wait for what you want, work what you got. Verse 12 says, and when everyone was satisfied, fulfilled is another translation. Jesus told his disciples, now go back and gather up all the pieces that are left over. Isn't that interesting? Small fish, huge crowd. Now they have leftovers. You know what that tells me about God is, is that God's miracles are so big, it leaves leftovers. That's how big God, that's how, he's not just able, he's more than able. He's more than able. And it goes on and it says, all the people were astounded and inspired wonder and awe astounded as they saw with their own eyes, the incredible miracle Jesus had performed. They begin to say among themselves, he really is the one, the true prophet we've been expecting. He is able. He is able. He's more than able. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Let me just inspire you with this. Now all glory to God. Who is able? Somebody say it with me. Who is able? Who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more, immeasurably more than we might ask or think. So here's my, my last proposition to you. If this is true, if, the, if, if God is able, if God's able to do miracles before, we, we can believe that he's able to do them again, then this is, this is the proposition. I can choose a miracle mindset regardless of how impossible a situation may appear. You and I, we can, we can choose. It's a decision to make. I choose to believe God. If you've done it before, you can do it again. If you did it for them, you can do it for me. I choose to have a miracle mindset.
And here's why I know that God can do miracles. Just think about this. I want you to think about this. Bread, this miracle was bread and fish. Bread comes from grain, which has the power of multiplication and reproduction within itself. Grain can be planted and it will multiply. But when grain is made into bread, the grain is crushed, making it dead. No one ever multiplied wheat by planting flour. Yet Jesus can bring life from death. He multiplies loaves of bread made from dead, crushed grain, and he multiplied fish from dead fish. Listen, here's the point. The gospel teaches us that Jesus brings dead things back to life. So is there anything that he cannot do? He is able. He is able. He is able. But I'll finish with this. Like, this, is, this is the reality. He is able. But sometimes he may not answer our prayer and our timing or the way that we think he should. He may not do it, but he may. We, we choose to have an outlook of faith, but the outcome is on God. One of my best friends was diagnosed with cancer. and His name was Steve Ware, and he was given six months to live. I was, I was talking with him about a sermon on faith, and he was like, your, your sermon's good, but it's not that good. And I was like, Steve, come on, what are you talking about? He was like, you're missing a point. You need, a, you need this point. And I was like, tell me what the, what the point is. And he said, well, first, let me tell you this. The doctors gave me six months to live. And he said, uh, I, I just want to walk my daughters down the aisle. And he said, and the, the doctors gave me the facts. And he said, but I'm a man of faith. And he said, I'm going to choose to believe that God is able, because he's able, that he is going to heal me. And he said this to me. He goes, but you know what, Jason? He said, he may not heal me. That's on him. He said this, faith is less about an outcome. It's more about an outlook. The the three Hebrew boys, they said in the fire, they said right before they go to the fire, our God is able to deliver us, able, but even if he doesn't, I'm not going to bow down. He is able, but even if he doesn't, it's having the outlook of faith, having an outlook of faith. Matthew nine, there were two blind men. They come to Jesus and Jesus asked them this when they cried out for healing, said, do you believe that I'm able? Jesus asked these two men, do you believe that I'm able? Let me ask you this question. What are you dealing with today? That if you got in a room by yourself, just you and Jesus, and he looked at you and said, do you believe I'm able? What would your response be today? See, there's a picture I came across of this young boy that 10 years old, he passed away. He was born with a lot of special needs, um, blind, couldn't move from the neck down, was bound to a wheelchair, and his parents prayed for him. Salt Lake City prayed for him every day for healing, for a miracle. And when he passed away, his dad, his father designed this headstone and said, my son finally got his miracle. You see, sometimes God does miracles suddenly, boom. He can do it. I've seen him do it. Sometimes he does miracles gradually over time, but sometimes it's just eventually. And I just want to give you a good framework. God is able to do whatever you need him to do. He's able. If he does it, that's on him. Have a healthy set of expectations because here's what I'd never want to do. Come hype you up and tell you something. God's going to do this for you. And in three years, you're disillusioned with God. He is able, but outcome is on him. Jesus prayed in the garden. He said, father, I know that there is nothing impossible for you. Abel, will you you let this cup pass from me? Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. That is the tension we rest in today. God, I know you're able but thy will be done. Amen. Amen. Bow your heads with me. I want to pray with you. Lord, I just sense right now 
just almost like there's, there's some understanding and some revelation that is coming to people that have maybe wrestled with some stuff. And they still have questions, but there's a peace that's coming. Father, I just sense that there's some that maybe their faith is, is, is being stirred right now. Like, okay, I'm going to choose to have a miracle mindset. Lord, give them the grace and the strength to make the decision. I'm going to believe. God, you haven't done it yet, but you will. There's others, Lord, that just, they're, they're dealing with disappointment. And if they were honest right now, they would, they would say, I'm disappointed with you, God. And I think, God, you're okay with that. I think you're okay with us being honest with you. I've been there before, Lord. But I pray that right now that by the Holy Spirit, you would comfort and you would encourage those that have been waiting on a miracle. And that those propositions that you brought us today, that we would position ourselves with thankfulness and gratitude. And that we choose to believe that no matter what we're facing, you are able. You are able. You are able. And at the end of the day, we just surrender to your will, whatever your will be. We know you're able. Willing, that's on you. Outlook is on us. Outcome is on you. We love you. We thank you for it. If you're here today and you say, Jason, I'm not at peace with God. I don't have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to give him my life today. I want to become a follower of Jesus. If that's you, you do this. Will you just lift up your hand? Everybody's heads bow and eyes closed. But lift up your hand. I want to see your hand. If you say, I want to give my life to Jesus today. Anybody in here? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, sir. Look at that. People giving their life. Miracle is happening right now. There's a miracle happening right now. People are giving their life to Jesus. Just pray this prayer with me. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a fresh start and a new beginning. I make a decision today that I am yours and that you are mine. I choose to follow you, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you so much for joining us today. If this message has changed your perspective on God or life, feel free to email your story to info at queencitypeople.com. We'd love to celebrate the change happening in your life. We'd also love to pray for you. If you have any prayer requests, big or small, head over to queencitypeople.com slash prayer and fill out the form with as much detail as you'd like. For more information about Queen City Church's service times, location, or events, visit queencitypeople.com or follow us on social media platforms at Queen City People. 